Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. We're going to dig into the Word uh, this morning and tackle a question that was posed to me. Um, oftentimes during the summer I ask for suggestions on what we should preach about. And somebody dared to ask, how do I know how to apply the Bible? How do I read the Bible and then know what I should do? And so we want to tackle that question because I think most of us here have read the Bible or looked at passages from the Bible or come to church and have been here and you hear the Word and you go, well, that's really interesting, that's really great. You've read these passages, you've tried doing daily breads or different online apps that have devotions and you're like, okay, that's great, that's great information, but what am I supposed to do with it? How does that make a difference in my life? How does that affect me or, or influence what I do or how I do it? What is it, what is it doing? What am I supposed to do with it? And many of you may be sitting here and say, and be thinking, well, that's why the pastor's here, to tell us all that stuff. But I'm not going to let you off, on, off the hook on that. The reality is that each one of us here have the capacity to read the Word of God and hear Him speak to us and give us clarity on what we're supposed to do, on how we are supposed to apply what we read. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Second Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we know that all the Bible is useful, is helpful in growing, in changing, in becoming more like Christ. We know that. But there is a, a simple dynamic that goes with that that we need to embrace. And that is that the better you know a certain area, a certain discipline, the easier it is to come up with the application. For example, um, our car, our van was making a lot of noise on the highway a few months ago. And I thought, Ugh, it's probably the wheel bearings. It's probably the wheel bearings that are going, and we need to replace, put in several hundred dollars into the van to replace the wheel bearings because they're so loud. And so uh, that's what I was planning for. I took it to the shop. I said, I think it's the wheel bearings. Can you take a look at that? They, and they came back to me and said, it's not the wheel bearings. I was like, are you sure, though? Because I'm kind of an expert, And they said, no, it's not the wheel bearings, it's your tires. And I was like, no, it's not. It's definitely, and they said, no, it's your tires. So we changed the tires, and all of a sudden the, the noise went away. See, they were the experts. They knew cars. 
They knew it. They understood cars, and they were able to quickly and easily diagnose what the issue is. Sometimes you deal with electrical things, and you think, well, maybe the breaker's off, but it's actually a ground issue. Sometimes you're baking something, and you're like, why is this not turning out right? And it's because you were using the wrong kind of pan. I don't know anything about that stuff. But the people that do, the people that do understand it. And when they understand it, they're able to figure out what the application is. And so this is the main lesson here. The better you understand the Bible, the easier it will be to figure out how to apply it. The better you understand the Bible, the easier it will be to see how it applies to your life. Now, I do not mean that the more you know about the Bible, I mean the better you understand it. And I do not mean that it will be easier to apply Because oftentimes, if you're applying it the right way, that is probably the hardest thing you can do. What I mean is that you will know how to apply it. So, I've given most of you, most all of you, have a handout sheet that's got a bunch of information on it. And what I want to do is I want to take part of our time to run through some just basic how-to steps. And then, once we run through that information, we're actually going to look at several passages and see how that applies to reading the Bible. So, here are some tools you need on how to better understand the Bible. Number one is you need a good and understandable translation. If you... If you were reading the King James Version and that makes total sense to you, great. If you read the King James Version and you go, what? (laughs) Try a different translation. There are many of them. And there are many of them that are very, very accurate. So I've, I've got here, I've got the NIV, the New International Version. You, there are so many others. There's a New Century Version. There's the English Standard Version. There's the New American Standard Bible. There's the, the Message. There's the New Living Translation. You can Google it. You can, you can look it up. You can talk to different people. You can go to a Christian bookstore or go to christianbook.com and you'll see a list of translations there. And you can find in there, if you've got the Bible app, you can open up the Bible app and scroll through the list of translations that are there. Find one that you can read and understand. That's the first tool you've got to have. Is you've got to have a Bible that you can actually read and the language makes sense to you. There is no point reading a Bible that is translated into French if you cannot understand French. There is no point in reading a Bible that is translated into Old English if you do not understand Old English. Make sense? Number two, you need a concordance. Everybody needs to go out and buy one of these books. Got it? No, you don't. 
This is a physical copy of what you all have access to on your phones. Whether it's on the Bible app or BibleGateway.com, make sure you have that marked, BibleGateway.com. You go online, that gives you the ability to go in, type in any word, and find where it is used in the Bible. If you want to see all the situations where the word love shows up in the Bible, you go keyword search, put in love, and it will show you every time that love is used in the Bible. If you want to find where it says handsome, because you were thinking about me, and you want to see where it does it talk about being handsome in the Bible, you can put handsome in the keyword search and it will show up. Listen, you are laughing too much. (laughs) If you want to put in depression, anxiety, worry, fear, family, keyword search, type that in, you'll find every spot in the Bible where that word shows up. You need to look at commentaries, articles, and books. I've got a commentary here on the book of Exodus by a guy named Victor Hamilton. I've got a book here called Scripture and the Authority of God by a guy named N.T. Wright. There are books and articles all over the place. Some of them are good, some of them are trash. But I've given you a list there of a number of guys and, and, and scholars who are good teachers. And there are many more to choose from, and we can help you figure those out. But you need to be willing to do some digging and do some reading and some research and sometimes just listening to these guys on podcasts or listening to their teaching videos to get a better understanding of what was going on in the Bible or understanding of passages of Scripture. Commentaries are when people sit down, they read the Bible, they study it, and they write out what they believe it means. You need to lean in on pastors and leaders and mentors, people that speak into your life on spiritual matters. And as much as you need to be able to use Google, be careful. Because Google is a lot like the church. There's a lot of really good chocolate pieces, but it's difficult to get them when you're dealing with all the nuts. Let that sink in. You're going to Google something, and there's going to be all kinds of stuff that pops up. And it can be very useful. But you need to understand that there are way more dumb things online than wise things. And so it can be a tool, but you have to be careful. Tips. Here are some tips on how to apply the Bible. Number one, if you read the Bible and there is an explanation for what it says and it is simple and clear, 95% of the time you can leave it there. Not always, But 95% of the time, if you read it and it's simple and it's clear, take it. When you're reading the Bible and you think, I've read enough, read just a little bit more. Or read it again one more time. If you're reading it and you're like, oh, that's a contradiction from this other part of the Bible. Or that's a contradiction of what just happened. That's a sign that you need to go digging. Because there's more to the story. Ask lots of questions. Remember, 
context. The context of what else is being said, the context of history, the context of what they were trying to do culturally. What is the situation around what was being said? And if you are studying the Bible and you've got a question and you start figuring out that question and you start going down a rabbit hole chasing that question, but it does not help clarify. It does not help clarify the passage. It's best to leave that rabbit hole alone. Now sometimes, just for the fun of it, you'll walk down that hole just to discover, but if you are trying to understand the Bible so that you can better apply it, if you are going down a rabbit hole but it does not help you understand the passage, leave it alone. So after those tools and tricks, we have these steps. Read and study. Let the Bible speak. Don't force it to say something it doesn't. Get the facts straight. Read the section you're interested in, then read the sections before and after it, and read other parts of the Bible that are connected to that section. So if you're reading a passage about love, go and read other passages about love. Step two, ask. You read it, and then you ask, what is the lesson here? What is the principle? What is the truth here? What does it mean? And sometimes you need to let other parts of the Bible explain it. Step three is the application part. And then you need to ask, after you've read and you've studied and you've asked what is the lesson here, then you need to ask, how does this connect with me? Isn't it an example that I need to follow or avoid? Is it a truth that I need to just remember? Is it an action I need to start or to stop? Or is there a rule that I need to keep in mind? You take those tools and those tips and you follow those basic steps and you'll end up understanding the Bible better and you'll be able to apply it from there. Everybody good so far? All right, let's look at this. Let's, let's take an example. Exodus chapter 20. This is what it says. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13 to 15. It says, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Complicated? Simple? Clear? Take it. That's it. You don't need to complicate it. You don't need to think, well, what else is it trying to say? Well, it's trying to say, don't murder anybody. That's what it's trying to say. It's also saying, don't covet. Don't look at other people and say, oh, I hate them because they've got a nicer car than me. I want that car. I should have that car. Don't do that. Don't try to explain it away. Don't try to get around it. This is simple. It is clear. It is straightforward. Take it. That is the application. Easy enough? All right, let's try a harder one. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 to 5, it says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. 
How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now that's not quite as simple and clear. Because here, Jesus is doing a parable thing. He's using a metaphor. And you've got you've to sit and you've got to think, all right, so Jesus is telling me how to do eye surgery. That's not what this is about, right? You've got to stop, you've got to pause, and you've got to do some thinking on it. And by doing a little bit of thinking, we see, okay, he's not being literal. He's being metaphorical. He's making the point that if there is a fault or an issue in your life, you need to deal with that before you can deal with anybody else's faults or issues. See that? Is that, is that founded in the rest of Scripture? Is that clear? Is that simple? What's the lesson? Deal with yourself first. How do you apply that? Find the issues in your life. And ask God to work on that before you go to work on anybody else. Simple? Clear? Boy, you guys are getting this. The better you understand the Bible, the easier it is to apply it to your life. Let's try a harder one still. Jeremiah chapter 29 Many of you have heard this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And you plaster that on your wall and you say, nothing bad will ever happen to me because Jeremiah 29.11. Amen? Wrong. The better you understand the Bible then it will become clear how to apply it. This is what the context says. Starting in verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. You've got to do some study. You've got to do some little bit more reading. You've got to look at the context. And by looking at that, then you can see the lesson. And the lesson is that just because you're in pain doesn't mean you're not in God's will. It doesn't mean that pain is necessarily a bad thing. It means that Sometimes following God hurts. It also means that we need to seek Him. So what do we do? How do we apply that? I think verse 13 is the key. 
You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What's the application? Seek God with all your heart. Now you've got to sit down and say, what does it look like to seek him with all my heart? And you've got to personally figure that out. But that's your application. One more, last one. This is a doozy. We're not even going to read it. Genesis 38. The story of Judah and Tamar. That is a story of a man named Judah who loses his wife, has some needs, walks through a town, finds his daughter-in-law that he doesn't recognize and is dressed up as a prostitute and hires her to fulfill his needs, gets her pregnant, and when he finds out that she's pregnant, plans to go and have her killed for the sin of prostitution. Well, obviously, it, eventually he finds out that that's actually his daughter-in-law and that he's the guy that got her pregnant. And he realizes that it was actually him who had abandoned her and wronged her. What is the lesson we get from that? How do you apply that? Well, number one, don't sleep with your daughter-in-law. Is there anything else? This is such a weird story. Well, the better you understand the Bible, the easier it is to see how it applies. When you know your Bible, you know that the son that Tamar has is actually an ancestor of King David, who is an ancestor of Jesus. And that God is able to redeem that sin and that situation to bring about the Savior of the world. And so there are lessons about taking responsibility for your sin and not passing it off on somebody else. Because if Judah had had his way and had her and the baby killed, there would have been no David and there would have been no Jesus. And so we need to accept responsibility for our sins and not pass that off on somebody else. It also means that when we are in the place and we are feeling like we have ruined our lives or ruined somebody else's life and the sins that we have committed have no redemption. You remember that God is bigger than that. And that God, that if we are willing to confess our sins, and seek Him with all our hearts, He's able to turn anything around. But you only get that. You only get that picture when you understand your Bible. And so the better you understand the Bible, the easier it is to know how it applies to your life. The worship team's going to come up and do one final closing song here. And I just want to give you this key application. Follow that sheet of notes I gave you, but just be in the Word of God. We cannot be a church that shows up and just expects the pastor to do all the work and teach it, and that's all it is. 
you want to know the Bible, you want to see God really change your life and change your, your family, be in the Word of God. Get a physical Bible. Get the Bible app on your phone. Find Bible Gateway. Get Blue Letter Bible. I don't care. Get a Bible. Read it. And the more you read it, dig in to understand it. And the better you understand your Bible, the easier it will be to know how to apply it to your life. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways.